Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Novel Not New, a True End Podcast. Every month we'll be covering one visual novel in traditional book club style, discussing what worked, what could use some adjustments, and finding the beats that make it stand out in an increasingly crowded genre. I'm Jennifer Uncle from Scanline Media, and um, joining me are my co-hosts. Uh, why don't you go first, Em? Hi, uh, I'm Em. Uh, I am a... Uh... By the time this comes out, I'm probably close to 32-year-old uh, non-binary person living in Nebraska. I host the uh, video game game club Abnormal Mapping. You can find it at thebestgame.club. Uh, I am the person who is like, I want to do this, but I hate anime. I guess I'm signing up for a visual novel uh, book club thing. Um, but I'm excited to do this. We played a very good game for a start. Tip of my hand a little bit. Uh, and I'm Colin Detmar. I'm uh, I'm also of Scanland Media. I'm me and Jen are the two halves of of Scanland Media as it exists so far. And uh, so we run other podcasts. And I'm just a general lunatic. And uh, <laughs> I'm here to talk about some some visual novels, which I'm I am a big fan of in general, even though sometimes they make me want to die. Totally. So, <laughs> uh, so to start off with, are there any sort of games books movies that either of you played that stood out to you in other than dream daddy hmm. or other than other than the game we've chosen yeah yeah um i forgot that we were gonna do this part i'm gonna be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh you want to go first Dem? yeah so i've been playing night in the woods uh which is a game by, written by Scott Benson and made by... It's probably more people. I don't remember the team. I did not look this up because I also forgot we were doing this. Um, does anyone know the developer of Night in the Woods off the top of their head? Uh, Scott um, Benson's the only one I remember. Infinite Fall. That's what it is. That is their uh, developer name. Um, it is about a young girl named May who is coming back from college uh, because she dropped out under nebulous circumstances and is returning to her small, depressed town uh, and hooks back up with her high school friends who have drifted apart and gotten jobs. And uh, it is a very well-written game that I don't think I like very much. Um, mm -hmm. When I'm interacting with characters, it's great. But whenever I have to run around town and, like, f collect the four things to advance the plot, I'm very frustrated by it. Um but May herself is also like a frustrating protagonist in that she is like she's meant to be immature and unaware of the things going on and often overreacts in ways that are like dramatic and make people's lives harder. But I don't like playing as that kind of protagonist. Um, and I wish I could like nudge her out of that more. And she's just stuck in this rut of self-destruction, which is fine for the genre. But uh it's weird. Like, I don't actually think games do, like, games don't do coming of age stuff very often. And I wonder if this is maybe why it's hard to play. It's hard to, like, play as a character that is so flawed and not want to nudge them into being a better person. Um, but uh, it's it's very well written for what it is. I, uh, I like that part a lot. Uh, hmm. so that's what I think. Excellent. Doing. Excellent. Yeah, I think I think both gen we did a, a review cast, actually, of, of Night in the Woods back in, back around when it came out. So we're both, uh, I think we both enjoyed the game, but I, I agree with you about a lot of its flaws for sure. So, mm -hmm. and I, I, I think, um, generally that 
didn't drive me as crazy with the with the characters as it did with you, but that's that's a problem I have a lot with a lot of these sorts of games like Oxenfree and uh and Life is Strange. So I I of the th- of those three games and I haven't finished Night in the Woods yet. I think Oxenfree is the one I like the most. Uh my hmm. my main thing with Night in the Woods is I wish I I wish it was so much faster to move around the town. Like I'm just struggling yeah. with running past the same places. Like I don't want to explore to find the side stories because I don't there's no guarantee that like my 3 minute dalliance underground in the subway is going to lead anywhere every time i do it so i'm not encouraged to do it because it's just slow and tedious like this is the persona problem but in a game that i wanted to play in two nights instead of like three weeks which is what it's turning out to be yeah that's fair totally have you got one jen oh yeah so i've been going on and off of observer which is this it's very it's the latest horror game by the people who made layers of fear which was about a painter that was stuck in a their own house and it was kind of haunted you kept seeing various visions this one is definitely trying to be like blade runner you play a i think they're just called observers they there's multiple bad names for rudger Hauer's character he his job is interrogating people by jacking into their minds and basically messing around in there until he has what he needs. It's this very unpleasant, very analog process where you take this cord with a needle on it and jam it into someone's head. And uh you get a lead that your long-lost son may be in this rundown set of apartments, so you arrive and then you basically get into his apartment, find out that someone who looks a lot like him had his head blown off within his room. And from there you go around interrogating various apartment residents, occasionally jumping into their minds. And it's a pretty creepy game. Like the way that they play around within a person's cognition is much more intense than something like Psychonauts, which is a lot cuddlier and zany. You're flashing between both the perspective of yourself and this person whose head you're inside. You get chased by these various monsters at certain points, and it's a surprisingly effective way to tell a story, which I was not expecting because Layers of Fear was all was almost entirely devoted to jump scares, while this one's trying to tell a very dark, dystopian sort of tale. Hmm. Well, I managed to come up with mine in the meantime, actually, while while I was sitting here thinking. Um, I think mine is going to have to be Otolenghi the Cookbook. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's a cookbook written by uh, Yaram Otolenghi and Sami Tamami, and it's uh, basically a collection of mediterranean recipes and i have had two things out of the cookbook so far i had a sort of a grilled fennel casserole and then i had a uh chicken with like zatar spice and lemon and red onion and pine nuts and it is a very good cookbook so far so i'm very much enjoying the recipes it has and it's well written and it's very often I see recipes that are like tell you basically how to do a thing and then you try and make it and it doesn't turn out how they'll say. And that has not been my experience. I've been, I've been pleased with everything. So that's my non visual novel take for this, this week, this month, 
this month. I wish I was good enough at cooking to take advantage of a cookbook of that style. For the most part, I've relied on this book meant for college students, but that's got me along pretty well. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. We should we should get back to cooking together sometimes. That was a good project we had. Totally. It was it felt good to have someone watching over me. <laughs> Do you cook much, Em? Uh so I don't cook very much because cooking for myself is a bummer, but when I have needs or like the means to cook for people, I enjoy cooking a lot. Um Excellent. I am so, not an expert, but I follow a recipe very well, so no one ever has any complaints. I don't think any of us can probably claim to be an expert. It just, you know. Yeah, there's some people who are like like naturally good cooks that just know how things go together. Uh, and then there's people who like can follow a recipe, but it never turns out exactly how the recipe said it should. I tend to have good luck with that part. So that carries mm-hmm. the day. All you got to do is have the right recipe. All right. Well, shall we transition into the, the visual novel of the month? Sounds good. So this month we've decided to cover Dream Daddy, a visual novel made by... Well, in it's a visual novel made in relationship to Game Grumps. Like, they were executive producers and the two of them voice some of the characters. And, uh... Yeah, it was... It ended up being a lot... A lot more emotional than I expected from a game made by several YouTubers known for their comedy. Okay, so I have two questions before we get into this. One, was this like a, was this a crowdfunded game? Does anyone know? I think it was. Okay. And two, who are the Game Grumps exactly? I'm not in the culture enough to know who they uh, are. They are, um, sort of, the, the roster of Game Grumps has had some changes through the years, but basically it's some people who were, like, just general, like, internet comedians and youtubers who came together to be like let's players okay and basically they do let's plays while doing generally lighthearted comedy they've been like they had one person who ended up being a, a gamer gator and a piece of shit and they kicked him out generally they've been pretty good okay which who was that uh <laughs> john tron oh okay. yeah i did not yeah. know that john tron okay yes oh yeah yes. That was i have heard word. of john tron well, I've, i'm only dimly aware of the game grumps as people who do games comedy stuff so fair enough yeah so um i think the two characters that were voiced by them were uh robert was one and the other was well actually was I joseph think, and also their um editor voice is brian i think okay so but yeah so, okay, I guess just initial impressions. What did, what did you guys think? Well, um, actually, uh, if you want, uh, probably like intro what the uh, premise of the game is. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. that would I can, I can go ahead sense. and do that. Uh, okay. Please. Um, so in this game, you start by creating a dad. Um, you have an array of bodies and hairs and face shapes and stuff to choose. And then you are, it is shown that you had a young daughter named Amanda, your wife, uh, or your partner specifically, uh, at least in mine, had died at some point. I assume that's true for whether or not you pick like male or female for your partner. Um, and you are moving to Maple Bay, where you move into this cul-de-sac, and every house in the cul-de-sac is another dad that has a child, and they all like get together and interact. And you are now part of that, and you get on Dad Book, which is their Facebook equivalent, and you hang out with those dads and those dads turn into dates and that is the premise of the game mm-hmm. so uh 
I don't know. It's it's weird because for for almost everyone, like this is just another thing that we'll get into. But like almost everyone else, sort of one of the weird things that gets into with some of the cut content from the game is that everyone else, except for one character, also is is now a single parent. And like the game, the game doesn't really remark on that, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's it works for the the game's concept, of course, but it is just kind of weird seeing all these people like some of these characters, you see how much they're doing, and it's just like, holy, sh- how can you do all that shit and also still be a single parent? You should be dead. So, uh, do we want to yeah. run through the roster of dads, maybe? And then, sure. uh, like, talk a yeah, bit about them as good. we go? Um, Jen, do you want to go first? Pick your favorite dad. Okay. My favorite dad definitely has to be Damien, who's this very practiced theatrical goth character who... Always dresses in cloaks, shops at hot, shops at hot topic. His house is like a gigantic mansion, and he's very much into studying the Victorian lifestyle. Like he'll comment with various trivia about how they lived and how they treated death like a celebration, and he also has a troublesome son who is also very goth and is into some pot dealing on the side and um overall he's an he's an incredibly earnest person in almost everything he does even when he's trying to impress you and i found that incredibly sweet and engaging uh damien's general bashfulness when you find out that he works at the animal shelter and does like it is the most adorable thing in the entire game i think Yes. It's pretty cute. It's pretty cute for sure. It's fantastic. Yeah, I I ended up doing f- only I did three characters arcs and I was I had time to do more and I actually just didn't really care to because I liked three members of the cast and I could have gone through more but I just didn't like the others very much. All right. Well, uh I know I played all of them. Jen, did you get through everybody? I got through pretty much every one of them, but I also have the suspicion that uh one of my early actions with Robert led to me being locked out of the rest of the story with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get we'll get there when we talk about Robert then, because yeah, Robert is maybe the like tricky trickiest one to like actually have a path with. Um, uh, Colin, did you well, want to go next? Would you like to go next? Because oh. I'm if because I'm I liked Robert the best, so that would be okay. jumping to that conclusion. All so. right, um, my favorite character was Matt, who is the indie music snob who runs the coffee shop full of band puns um you find out that his wife died at some point and he's just raising his very very earnest uh daughter and trying to be this business owner and he used to play music but he hasn't since she died and it's very sad but the actual thrust of your relationship with matt is that you are way not cool enough to be hanging with him and yet you're going to like bless your way through it uh, just by being earnest and trying to be supportive in the way you know how. And he is like very good at acting cool, but is actually just a mess inside and no one else knows it and is slowly revealing it. And uh, this is the first one I did. And it is the one that is most in line with like my life and my relationship that I'm in uh, because my partner is also someone who reads is very cool. And I'm someone who is very not cool. And the ways in which we interact are very similar to how the, your dad and Matt interact in this game. And it was a lot. Uh, I, uh, I thought this one was really good, especially uh, it ends with you having to like 
wing being on stage at an open mic and you playing an awful ska song about the ska ship enterprise and is you're banging on the keys because you don't actually remember how to play piano and it's nonsense and it's very good uh huh yeah i I really appreciated when you go to a concert with him and you slowly find out that he's incredibly uncomfortable with the crowd that's enveloping him but being close to him makes both of you so much more comfortable and happy about where you are yeah i kind of i kind of regret not giving him more of a shot i guess i he he did not make the best first impression to me and i was like ah, eh, mm, i don't know but that's well listen in real life i don't do the dating thing anyway so it turns out turns out i'm bad at it i'm, I'm also not a person who dates so this was all foreign to me <laughs> I just kind of have intense friendships that become relationships. I guess that's basically how this works in this game. Yeah. You're never like formally going out on a date, except, uh, you know, actually none of these really feel like formal dates until suddenly they're like a relationship and everyone's like, oh, this showed up, uh, mm-hmm. which is probably why I connected with this one so strongly. Yeah. And mostly every relationship starts with you messaging on dad book. Hey, you want to hang out for a bit? You seem kind of cool. Uh, Colin, do you want to talk about one of your dads? You don't have to do Robert yet if you don't want to, but sure, we can we can we can build up to Robert. Um, the one of the other ones I also did Damien, but I also did uh Craig, who is the uh the fitness dad by the the game's old own uh titling. Uh, Craig used to be uh your dad's uh roommate in college, and he used to be quite the the party animal. And now you meet up with him years later after falling out of contact, and now he's like a, a fitness buff, and he's a softball coach, and he's you know like hardworking, just like completely turned his right life around. This guy who seems to really have his his stuff together in kind of a ridiculous way. Um, your early interactions with him are hanging out with him while people hit on him nonstop because he's you know so handsome and charming, um, and like. Like a lot of these characters who initially seem so incredible, and they're not that they're not incredible, but they they also have this human side. And for Craig, part of it is just that he's stretching himself so thin, trying to be this amazing dad and be good at his job and stay fit because he was such a mess in college that he's kind of killing himself. And you you know hang out with him and you you'd go on like jogs and you go camping, and you sort of help him realize that to stay sane and to continue doing what he wants to do. He needs to sometimes take a second to himself and de-stress and, and wind down. And I just thought it was a really sweet relationship. Yeah, it felt, it felt like a more earnest take on the bro, we can't stop kissing meme. Like, it's how that would actually look like if it wasn't played off as a joke and more like, hey, here's someone I was incredible pals with in college and we're on pretty bit different paths now, but there's still something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I also liked is a lot of his path is like you going out. He's like, he's I'm going to teach you how to jog. And uh, my dad, at least, was like a much heavier dad. And it doesn't actually affect the story much. You're just like, I am this fat dad hanging out with this the most ripped man on earth. And it is just like cool and not turned into like a butt of any joke or anything. And uh, that stuff is very good. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think no matter how you pick your dad, the first time Craig asks you to hang out, you are unbelievably winded and unable to keep up. So, yeah, yeah no, for sure. Because you're, regardless of what your dad looks like, you are a very lazy dad. <laughs> yes, yes. You're, that's that's your title on uh, on the on the site. I'm sure if you look, it's lazy dad. So, 
Yeah. You always give in to Amanda's demands to have large loaded pizzas almost every night of the week. Yep. Always watching paranormal ice road truckers. Yes. Uh, Jen, do you have another dad? I was also pretty fond of Hugo, who is this high school slash middle school teacher who is, I think he's, I think he focuses on literature and yeah, he, he loves inserting various puns and quips regarding literature. His son, who is a bit of a troublemaker, takes a bit of that off of him too, like the rest of the kids do. He tries to, no wait. Actually, that was Damien's son. Never mind. Um, but yeah, he spends a lot of his time when he's not wrangling students and getting them to behave, trying to wrangle his own son. And there's this sense that he's having a hard time trying to impress upon his kid that I care about you and I'm just trying to look out for you the best I can. He's also a huge fan of cheese boards and... uh Various cheese-related puns, and weirdly enough, a quiz show that happens every week at this fancy cheese restaurant. <laughs> and uh, the most relatable thing about him is also something that I share in common. He is a secret professional wrestling nut. He has a whole room dedicated to various action figures and paraphernalia and... He treats that as his deep, dark secret because he's worried that if anyone else in the school finds out about it, he'll be done for. No one will ever listen to him again. And a nice thing about that arc is you basically you earn his trust by getting him to reveal this to you just by being insistent on, no, I think you're cool. Whatever you're into, I'll be into as well. And over time, he learns that... It's totally fine to be a literature major who loves watching his childhood stars fight against the latest wrestlers at this fake WrestleMania. And ultimately accepting that part of him also makes him much, much cooler to all of his students. So it's a pretty positive arc overall. Also, it ends with you having sweaty wrestle kisses. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I I had the problem of finding his voice acting kind of obnoxious. I don't. It just felt like. Um. I I guess we're gonna do it when we run through everybody, but I found almost all the voice acting in this game super obnoxious. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't love all of it, but I don't know. Hugo's felt like it was like louder and more echoey, like it was yep. badly recorded. Like, not all, just every yeah, time. all of it felt very like here's just a bunch of people we wrangled together. Like I liked Amanda's voice, and that was probably the only one. Amanda was good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I guess I'm next. Who? All right. Um, who do we not have yet? We don't have Brian, Brian or Joseph, or I think. Joseph or Robert. Uh, did Jen? Did you do either Brian or Joseph? I did both of them actually. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I'll take Brian then because I thought Brian's was really interesting. Uh, Brian is like the the braggart dad who has like the most gifted of the children and she's good at everything. And he's also going to be super dad good at everything. And your dad takes that as a personal affront and must challenge him at every turn. (laughs) And his path is like full of these really intense mini games of you trying to one up him and be able to do everything better than him and be at mini golf or carnival games or whatever. Um, 
and that competition uh drives your both of your daughters crazy but especially amanda is not happy with you going out of your way to try to show up this dad for no good reason um and it is the one that casts you as the most villainous i feel like because there's no way to come out of that path not looking like the most petulant child uh <laughs> but in like basically uh amanda and his daughter strand you on a ferris wheel at the carnival and have you work out your problems and while the ferris wheel is like stopped at the top you you have this conversation where it's like oh i was i was competing because i felt like i was not as good as you and brian is like i was competing because i felt like you were coming at me really strong and i had to prove that i was a good dad and you thought i was like shitty or a braggart or something and i was trying to be the nicest guy i could be and you start over and that starting over is realizing that that like competitiveness was actually just like a very strong interest and the two of you are like maybe we'll just see where this goes and your daughter's like high five as you walk off hand in hand uh it's it's definitely like the, one of the comedy routes, but uh, hmm. I thought that, that it was a good like because like all of the misadventures of you trying to compete against him when you don't know what you're doing and the ways you fail are all great fun. Hmm. He hit me in the head with a frisbee, and then not only did he not apologize, <laughs> he yelled at me for getting hit by the frisbee. So <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay, I'm never dating you." <laughs> uh, I like that path mostly because. Uh, you just come across as like a big jerk in a way that's like, I see where Amanda is like a smart ass all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing I wasn't a big fan of is some of the mini games can be kind of annoying at times, yeah, especially no, the, yeah, especially the bejeweled clone where you have to match three or four fishes that are alike. Yep. There's something about the way that that's drawn. That's, it kind of overwhelms your eyes and yeah, it's a very ugly mini game. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really bad. Uh, part of this, uh, the mini games are all like done by different people. It seemed like from the credits, so that one is very much like here's a bunch of clip art thrown together in a way that is just a visual assault. Yeah. Uh, the one best, the one good part about that mini game is they call back that mini game at the very end of the path, where you have to just match one, match three thing to like win the day when a goldfish goes missing on a water ride and you have to catch it. Uh, I thought that was a good touch. Yeah, that was nice. It was like, I remembered your training, Brian, and I'm going to save the day. Uh, Colin, you want to cover Robert? Sure. So uh, Robert was was my favorite of of the dads. Um, Robert is the uh, bad dad. Um, Robert is a character who is like this, like, leather jacket wearing gruff cool guy who like drinks all the time and tells a lot of elaborate bullshit stories and gets in a lot of trouble um and i feel like i'm painting myself in a bad light by saying that robert was my favorite no but i Ro robert's really... awesome what are you talking robert's so cool he's great <laughs> he's great like uh, the him and him and mary who is joseph's wife just hanging out at the bar like telling dirty jokes at each other is uh, like one of the best parts of this game it's really good and then like a lot of you know the dates are like just getting in trouble right like sneaking into movies uh slipping into like a, a tour of supernatural spots yes. around town pretending and, like, to be paranormal it. investigators <laughs> <laughs> and like taking over and like turning it into your a bunch of like fake stories about like times you fought ghosts um robert is great and also he's just a character that like one of the things I like 
is I think the thing Jan ran into is that very early on, you have an option to just spend the night with him. Um, and if you take that, then it's like, okay, so that's what this relationship is, and you can never get anywhere serious with him. If you accept accept his invitation on the first night to, to spend the night with him, you don't ever get to see his real content. It's just you guys sleep together a few times, and then he calls it off. You have to delay it, and then you see that he's actually kind of a mess, and he actually needs someone to... to show a little more consideration so yeah if you sleep with him on the first night you get into a situation where when you invite him to dates he just ghosts you you can see that he you can see the red prompt to show that he actually looked at the message but you spend the whole day doing various chores like baking pies or watching a bunch of tv occasionally after those days he'll call you back for another one night stand and it just keeps going like that until the end scene where he where you ask hey what's going on why did you keep ignoring me and he goes well i thought that's what it was we both treat each other like objects and i was cool with that but you clearly wanted something more so i guess i'm gonna go away for a bit see ya that's weird because that conflicts uh very strongly with part of joseph's story uh in a way that i don't actually like um but uh, we'll get to that when we talk about Joseph. The thing I like is his is very much like, I'm the tough guy, but I'm going to take you out and whittle like goofy toys in, like in the back of my truck in the woods and talk about spooky ghosts. And it, it, there's something really like innocent in like he's he's been a tough guy his whole life. And because of that, like his, he's really sweet and doesn't un- understand the ways in which he's sweet and vulnerable. Um and then, like, at the end of the path, it, it reveals that, like, he, you are being a good influence on him by, like, maybe telling him to not always present as, like, a schlubby asshole. And because of that, he's, like, fixing up his life and he's reconnecting with his daughter, who is a much older uh, kid who is like, moved off to New York. And uh, in the ending, you see her and she is just, like, the most glamorous person on Earth. Like, she's amazing. And <laughs> she's she shows awesome. Up, she shows up and she's, uh, she talks to Amanda and she like runs in like an ad agency and she's like, Amanda, here's my card. If you're taking photos, you're already a photographer. Even if school doesn't work out, give me a call, I'll hook you up. And she's, she is so cool. <laughs> yeah. You have like, so Robert constantly feeds you these like bullshit stories and he's trying to get you to either, you know, like either buy in because that's fun for him or call him out for just making shit up. And the first time you meet Val, you don't know that it's his daughter. And you're like, uh, uh, who are you? Do I know you? And it's like, oh, you should. It's been three years and I'm here for my revenge. And you're like, oh, okay, you're Robert's daughter. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, that whole arc is wonderful. So, uh, And then we have Joseph. Jen, tell us about Joseph. So Joseph is this youth minister with a pretty sizable house he's obsessed with sailing has his own yacht he has five children i think something around there yeah he has a pretty large family but you only tend to see his two twins who love doing the shining twin act while they're together but become instantly vulnerable whenever they're both called out or one of them is separated from the other and he is much like Cra- much like Matt, I mean much like Craig in terms of he works himself to the bone raising so many kids, cleaning things around the house, trying to put on this youth ministry with various last minute problems like a 
Jesus is coming sign that <laughs> is very unfortunately spelled. I have I have seen that one on Twitter. I I it it was tempting to go that route. Just it for it that. is it is it is the funniest thing in this game to me. That stupid sign and the ways in which you're tasked to change it at the last minute. Yeah. So the main crux with him is. In addition to being overworked, he's clearly going through a rough patch with his wife, who is constantly drunk and berating him, or just in a foul mood and not really answering any questions. He comes to you because he needs a break from that, more or less, and the two of you bond over your shared uh, affection for Jimmy Buffett, so... You, you two talk about creating a Margarita Zone, where instead of Margaritaville, which is a total escape, Margarita Zone is a brief reprieve from the various challenges dads face, and just a chance to bond and talk about literally anything else other than your problems. And uh, the interesting way that that arc goes is... Mary will, once you start spending more time with Joseph, Mary will pop in eventually kind of checking in on you and asking, hey, what's up? You seem to be spending a lot of time with Joseph lately, and I don't know what your game is. And you can respond to that in two very different ways. You can either be very, very honest with it, basically saying, I'm just doing this friendship thing with him and it seems like you two are going through some rough times or you can be very combative like it's clear that you're not good for him and that kind of changes the tone of how that relationship ends up going but the most interesting part is even though it on the yacht it can end in you and joseph sleeping together it's a situation where no matter what you do, the relationship between you never turns into a full-blown thing. Either way, he and Mary will start talking and agree to give it another try. And basically, the the amount of control you have over that specific response is either did you totally make it so that Mary will never speak to you and things are kind of rough slightly rough between you and Joseph, or is everyone friends? And I found that really interesting in a game where they're basically marketing an idea of, oh, you can basically pick whichever dad you want and develop a long-lasting relationship with them. Sometimes those relationships are just friendships, and that's totally cool. Uh, okay, so I have one more thing about this, and I don't know if it's because I was at level two with all the dads before I did this uh, this path. But when you go on the yacht for Joseph's final date, uh, you get a uh, you get interrupted by Robert, who's like, "Hey, um, they like don't go on here. He's a backstabber." And when you talk to him, like before you have your like last meeting in like his cabin, um, Joseph's like, "No, me and Robert hooked up." while I was going through some troubles and I just wanted it to be a one-time thing and Robert didn't. And he's like, been holding a grudge against me ever since because of it, which flies in the face of how Robert treats you if you sleep with Robert. And I think that's really weird. Um, it seems, does it, or is it like, well, he learned his lesson with Joseph and he's not going to make that mistake. Yeah, again. I guess, I guess that's true. 
So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah no. That... It, like, it all, like, in part, it reads to me as, like, in one path, he is, like, against that as a way to treat people. And in another, he is willing to do that. And that, like, that hypocrisy doesn't... I mean, I guess your whole thing with uh, his story is, like, making him a better person. So maybe he used to be someone who would do that and isn't by the time you're done hanging out with him. Because of all of the dads, he's the one where the path is most like, no, you actually did a lot to, like, help him in his life. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, like, the way he's dressing and the way he fixes his hair and stuff is all different by the end of the path. Yeah, with Robert, uh, I didn't do anything since I didn't actually... Since I slept with Robert the very first night, none of that came up when I was with Joseph. Like, I didn't even see Robert appear during that. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, I do have a question for for you Joseph Pathers. Um... Does the Mary thing work? Because in every other path, she just seems like a pretty garbage human. So I don't... Like, Mary to me was like a character that is... uh, Like, she's not happy, but like why she's not happy seems to be just because her marriage is in a bad place. And like, she's a very like sardonic, like sarcastic, sometimes biting character. But I like every time you interact with her and the Robert stuff, like she cares about him. She wants what's best for him. She'll like nudge you when you meet her in like the Damien thing where she's like not drinking. She's like a much more pleasant person. She's like, hey, if you mess up things with Damien, I'm going to come after you. Like she's protective of her friends. And while she can be like mean spirited, I don't think she's like a bad person per se. But she also like, I mean, like your introduction to her at the like at the at the like the barbecue is Joseph being like, hey, where is our, like, two-month-old baby? And she's like, I don't know. I guess I lost him. It's like, but also, it seems like, kind of shitty. That is, that is entirely, like, a correct response for someone who has had a bunch of kids already and is on it mm. and doesn't need, like, to be, like, nannied about where the kid is at. Like, she That's probably true. Knows. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'd say she's pretty understood if you only look at her from the perspective of the Joseph storyline because the other, the other paths give her more background and you can see her as more of a fully fledged human instead of the constantly drunk wife that's being a jerk whenever she can. Yeah. uh, Like if you only do Joseph's path, the fact that he and Mary like decide to reconcile seems really unfathomable. But I think like, especially if you do the Robert path, it makes a lot more sense that like, yeah, of course, like there's something there. You kind of see where these two characters like found their retreat in different places, but kind of have the same type of problem. Um, and how they might be willing to talk it out uh, with some mediation. Okay, okay. Maybe maybe I wasn't giving her enough credit. I didn't think of the approach of her just being snarky about about not knowing about her children. Like, of course she, of course she does. Yeah, uh, I mean that game also like plays those kids as like actually evil in like Craig's path, and they're not. Oh they're yeah, just kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, like, the whole... part, like part of it is like there's only so much you can do in a in like an outright comedy game in some ways where like mm-hmm. some things are just played a little broad and you have to be willing to let it be played a little broad. That's fair. Yeah, I do want to observe real quick. I've seen just like sort of broader. I've seen a number of recent visual novels running on uh, Unity mm-hmm. and they seem to run pretty well. They have nice transitions and stuff. But they're missing a lot of niceties that I'm used to, like being able to like use the scroll wheel to check the log of things that were previously said, for instance. Yeah. 
that like sometimes I accidentally double clicked and I just missed a line of dialogue and it's just like well I guess I'll just never see that unless I want to load an old save. I and the other one is just like having dialogue options pop up in the dialogue box. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to other visual novels where they pop up above so you don't accidentally click on them so that when you're clicking to advance through lines you've already seen you don't accidentally click a dialogue choice. Yeah, I started um, clicking up in the faces to prevent this exact thing from happening. Right? Yeah. It just it seems like it's missing some niceties that are yep. a little annoying. I wonder so. I assume with this they had to do Unity because it is so wrapped around like mini games that would basically mm-hmm. have to launch their own EXEs at some point if you weren't doing it all in the same engine. That makes sense. Yeah. I'd say the problems are less around it being Unity made and more it doesn't have those options as default, like if they wanted to, they could probably add in those niceties that you talk about, but for budget constraints or just because it's a very different engine, they might have skipped that. Oh, sure. I'm not trying to suggest it was impossible. Just it seems like like the Unity uh, visual novels I've seen often have some of these issues because I assume, I don't know, the Unity visual novel template. Is that a thing? Am I making things up? If that I mean, exists, I just I assume. Know. Yeah, I I assume that's one of the things that would mature into the genre if people keep making them. Like once the template does exist, someone just has to build it so people can use it. That'd be good because I yeah I really like being able to check the backlog. That's, uh, that's the backlog really in particular is yeah. There's a lot of times in that game where it would help to have a log check. Should we get into Amanda at all? Or I feel like we haven't really talked about her that much. Before we do that, there's one thing I did. Either of you go and look at the like cut chapter, the like bad end Joseph path. I chose not to. Okay. I heard things about it. Like I heard that it's the typical one that I really don't like where it turns out to be a evil situation going on in a otherwise cute game. It is very overwrought and clearly like a parody of like the bad ends of like nine, nine, nine or whatever. Um, in that instance, I think it's okay. I think it's it's obvious why they cut it, because it doesn't make any thematic sense for this game. Um, but it's out there if you want to look at it. I thought it was weird, going back and looking at it, that like that cut ending is the thing that generated a bunch of discourse about this game and not the actual game itself. Uh, yeah. Because there was a lot of like, oh, this bad ending is problematic, and how could it be in the game? And then it's like, it's not in the game. And also, it's a bad ending, and bad endings are often ridiculous. Like... The bad one of the bad endings of nine eighty nine is the cute girl who is actually innocent and murders everyone with an axe for no good reason. Um, <laughs> one of the bad endings in this game is you decide to take so many cannonballs into a lake that you die. What? Oh yeah, on Craig's path, there's a part <laughs> where you're jumping. You you're like you're camping with him and you go swimming and you like you do a cannonball into the like the little pond or whatever, and it's like we should go again. We should go again. And then Craig's like, we should stop. And if you're like, no, we have to go again. And you get kind of crazy about it. You die. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, so, you know, like, bad ends are always kind of ridiculous in these yep. games. So, um, going back to your original question, sorry for the tangent. Um, the... Uh, I assume every, like, Amanda's interesting because Amanda has, like, multiple outcomes. I assume everyone got the good outcome where everything is happy and she gives you a photo and, like, I'm off to college to be awesome. You're a good yeah. dad. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know, I know you can get, like, a neglectful dad ending where you, like, didn't, like, help her with her problems or reinforce good behavior and then you, it's, like, sadder. I didn't even look it up. I didn't want to think about it. It was very upsetting that it could exist. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the achievement and I was like, well, I'm never going to see where that goes. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where even on replays, I just ended up like picking the exact same options with Amanda because it's like, no, I'm really happy with what I'm saying to Amanda. I'm really happy with our relationship, and I don't need to be like, but what if I was a dumbass? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm good. Yeah. One other thing before we get to the conclusions is I liked the way that they handled Damien in terms of they they have a little line of dialogue within your first or second date where he mentions that he the goth outfits go very well with binders and mm-hmm. it was a very subtle nod towards the idea that Damien might be trans and I found it pretty great because they don't make a gigantic deal about it, and it just seems like something that naturally rolled off the tip of his tongue. Like, he mm. he felt like a very genuine character in ways that most characters like him don't. Yep. Uh, one thing... Uh, th- so, two th- like two things about that. One, I really like that, especially with, like, the way in which Mary is protective of him, and, like uh the way she, like it can very much be like i'm looking after my nerdy friend but also like her protectiveness of damien like in a world where like everyone knows that damien like they used to hang out when they were young like uh mary calls damien dames like as a like a affectionate nickname like they're very close in a way it's like her protectiveness is like a really cool thing in that context um the one thing because the game doesn't address it past that single line is um Damien has like maybe one of the colder relationships with his kid. And I I wonder if that would have been a good avenue to explore like that being part of the reason why there's like a distance there. Yeah. Uh, the only the game, the game never brings it up. And I like as much as like, it's cool that the representation is, Oh, here's a trans man. And that that's it. Uh, and on some level, like the fact that uh, his dad being trans is like part of the reason why he's acting out. Like, I think that's an interesting path to explore. Maybe the people who are writing it do not have the means to do that properly, to be fair, but yeah, it's the only nod you get towards that is if you end up going with Damien, his son approaches you at the barbecue at the end and goes, yeah, my dad has a lot of troubles and he has trouble opening up to people and I'm really thankful that you're there for him to basically be close and just let him be his true self. I kind of wish that that his son had succeeded with the cask of Amontillado scheme. Yes! That's a really good plan. (laughs) That that was my favorite gag in the whole game. There's, uh, I think that is my favorite gag is either that or when you have your first uh, date with Craig where you go to the softball game you get an option of like three things to shout at at the team and one of them <laughs> I, oh, I i think i took a screenshot i'll have to try and find it it's just one of them is just like you screaming basically just like entertain me and it's really uh, it you can a lot of the dialogue options in the game you get an option it, they, the writing is just really on point and funny so yep especially with like your interactions with Amanda where a lot of them are just the two of you easily joking with each other in a way where like you guys have spent a lot of time together and the jokes that you have are very insular and uh, cute and elaborate in the way that people who are very close are like in a world where like all of these single dads are crushing it in terms of raising their kid. Like even when it's a problem, like none of them are actually terrible dads aside from, uh, maybe Robert and even then like not really um like he's like making amends in the course of the story um 
it's great that everyone like you have this close relationship with Amanda and she is amazing and everyone knows she's amazing. And the plot is about that. Uh, it feels really good to have like single parents that are just like killing it in life as like all the representation in this game also like, yes, they're all dads and yes, they're all gay. And, but they're also amazing parents and that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we get back to final thoughts? Sure. Um, I don't know. I thought, I I enjoyed this game and it was a lot like it seemed like a a pretty light one for our our first um our first game but there was there was more I hate to use the the expression more meat I don't know there was more substance to it than I expected like I felt like with with certainly with a couple of the dads it felt like the the game got a little more more like honest and about like their problems and about like the struggles that people face than I expected. I kind of expected the game to be like a fairly good natured joke. And, you know, it certainly is a pretty funny game, but I also think there's, there's more heart to it than that. And I don't think I originally gave it enough credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a few cute in jokes, like during the, um, during the mat route, you run into a band that's clearly a real life band that they just threw in the game for a brief cameo and song. And, uh, there's definitely some some elements of we are playing to what our audience would enjoy because they've either been following us for a while or we ha- we're familiar with the scene a bit. But overall, it loves to buck certain trends and just be a very pleasant thing overall. And I loved every bit of it from all of the dad puns to the surprisingly affectionate moments and... Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I um, I was definitely afraid this was going to be like a joke game uh, with its like parentage being part of Game Grumps and like uh, like I like Had of a Boyfriend, but it's a much in many ways it's like a it's a parody of the genre kind of game. Um, and I thought this game would be that, and instead it's exactly what I want, which is. Uh, reasonably thoughtful, uh, even when it's like a comedy game about a, like adults with adult problems. And, uh, I think there's a real dearth of that in games in general. Um, so that it's about like, like men specifically in relationships that are interesting that don't ignore like emotional interiority and the way they relate to the children. Uh, that stuff is great. And, uh, I, like there's not actually games like that in the space like whether it's visual novels or just video games like there's always like i'm the protector dad with a gun but there's never like i'm going to watch reality television with my daughter and we're going to eat pizza and it's going to be great uh and that in that i like i loved this game uh and i was not expecting to it really took me by surprise excellent i'm glad you know i i have some some we have a list of games that we're going to try and tackle. And some of these, I don't know if I'm going to end up liking them, but I'm glad we're able to start on a, on a positive note for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's... the calm before the storm. So if you have any questions about dream daddy or want to tell us what you thought about it, or if you have any suggestions about what you'd like us to play next, you can send us an email at podcast at abnormal mapping.com. Yes, that, that is it. That is correct. You got it. And, uh, why don't you tell us about our next game, M? Our next game is going to be Narcissu. It is from 2005. It is developed by Stage Nana. Um, you can find this on Steam. 
uh, for free, or you could probably just find it online. Uh, when I, I've played this one a long time ago, and when I played it, it was not on Steam yet. Steam didn't have free-to-play games, uh, but you can find it there. Uh, and it is about uh, a young man in with a terminal illness in a hospital where he meets a woman in his ward, and they uh, have this ill-fated romance since they both have terminal illnesses. Uh, it's a bummer. Wait, do you spoil the ending? <laughs> I don't even want to play it now. The <laughs> intro is they have terminal illnesses. Uh, the uh, ways in uh. which the bummer are for you to find out. But <laughs> I remember it being very sweet, and uh, it's short, and it's free. So, you know, those are all good things. Excellent, excellent. And how, how many endings are we looking at for this one? I, I think there are one ending. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So I think we'll probably be able to see all of them each. Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> all right. Ever, ever all the ground. There is inexplicably a second game I have not played. I don't know how that happens in a world where I, I'm pretty sure everyone has a terminal illness in the game, but there's a sequel. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe it gets even more terminal. Yeah, no. <laughs> terminal Impact, Narcissus 2. <laughs> Narcissus 2, not again. <laughs> oh, guys, if we keep this up, we're going to have our own tie-in visual novel. We better just, we better just plug our, our social media and stuff and get out of here. All right, go ahead and... Uh, uh, I guess. Oh, do you want to go first? I have the I have the bulk of them since uh, I have the network that it's on. Okay. Well, I can I can just I can just tackle two real quick, which is uh you'll you'll see how to spell mine in the show notes. Uh, I'm at six two six four as words on Twitter, but again, it'll be in the show notes. And then also, me and Jen are both from Scanline Media. That's scanlinemedia.com, where we have articles and podcasts and stuff about games. Yeah, in addition to Scanline Media, I'm at JBU3 on Twitter, and I've had a few freelance articles in places like Paste and Waypoint, and uh, hopefully there'll be more of those soon. Uh, you can find me at EM underscore being on Twitter. Uh, this podcast is part of the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can find it at abnormalmapping.com. We have a multitude of shows. We have Abnormal Mapping, the podcast, which is very much like this one, but not about visual novels. That's every month. You can find that at thebestgame.club. I have a Star Trek book club uh, with my friend Jackson at startrekpodcast.space. Jackson has a podcast about the lore of Coheed and Cambria that is very goofy and uh, ridiculous that you can find at INeedMayo.com. And uh, this and all of our podcasts are supported at Patreon, patreon.com slash abnormal mapping. Uh, support that. Support all of your friends who do cool podcasts on the internet. All right. I'm not sure if I should go with a cheesy or professional ending. Uh, cheesy. I picked cheesy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Until next time, keep ch keep chasing that S rank. <laughs> True love will ra raid I've oh, I lost it. I lost it. Bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good ending. Shit. <laughs> <laughs>